Mr. Blotto in the All State Skyline Studio. Thank you for uh, Mike and Paul Bolger, and that's Mark Haig. Thanks for joining us. Right now, can you can you guys hear hear me through that? I can hear you. Can I interview him that way, Dan? Does that sound okay? Or should I bring him on the mic? While we are doing that, I don't I don't want to let Brooke go away. So talk about Prime My Body while we get Paul over here. Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah, happy to yeah. talk about Prime My Body. It's my favorite subject. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Prime My Body is a company that I have joined. It is a, a fantastic company that is offering a high quality, the highest quality hemp oil. Uh, we've partnered with a a uh, formulator, a chemist, biochemist named Dr. Christopher Shade, and he has really mastered uh, the highest uh, ability to absorb the hemp. And one of the things that's kind of cool about um, cannabis is that, well, not cool, but is cool, is that... Um, it has a, it's a very big molecule. It's hard to absorb. And so, um, Dr. Shade, through Prime My Body, he has, um, mastered the formulation to get a very, very high, high absorption because of his formulation. And so he does some nanotechnology and uses liposomal delivery. It's a lot of chemistry and, uh, uh but it is an excellent product. So, um, Prime My Body is where it's at. I wanted to put Paul on on mic. How you doing, Paul? <laughs> hey, good man. Good. Thanks for joining. I wanted you to hear this. Um, I never knew this before. But you have Prime My as pet hemp. We what? have pet hemp. Yeah, it just uh, got released. It's Mark. Really- you know about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, animal, uh, but pet products, uh, hemp and uh, CBD and even THC uh, products for animals. Uh, well, pet food with CBD in it uh, is very popular, and a lot of people swear by it. So that uh, means you no longer have to blow smoke into the cat's ears. Yeah. That never works. I don't know. <laughs> I ever saw that work. They'll <laughs> put the catnip business out of catnip will go out of it. So how does yeah, how does it work? So it, it's an oil also, you put it on their food and it has also the same liposomal delivery. So what's the reason why I brought that up is that, you know, if you're not getting it absorbed, it's passing through your body and out. So if you can you are what you absorb, not just what you eat. It, you are what you absorb. So if you can get maximum absorption, you're getting the benefits of the, of the nutrition. And so, um, you know, any mammal, anybody with a brain or spinal cord, that's where these receptors are. Um, so, yeah, pets definitely benefit from this. This is a great natural option um, for the same similar uh, issues. You know, my dog has separation anxiety. Um, you know, dogs can be sore and uncomfortable, and cats, too. They can have... You know, they can have other health ailments, you know, and so this has been a great uh, option for them without putting them on some type of medication. This is something that's going to work at the root cause, not just something that's putting a Band-Aid on a problem. I think I need to get prime my body to get through the show. <laughs> how, do, how, do, how do people find out about it? So you can go to my website, B Schwarz, and I'll spell that B S is in Sam C H W A R Z dot prime my dot com, and you can find me there. Okay. I also can be found on Instagram at nurse brook one. Will you have any at the Riverside Library? I will. I let uh, people sample. The, oh, do you really? The, oh, yeah. I'll have to come to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, come on over. Check, check that It'll be great. out. It's legal. It's yeah. legal. <laughs> exactly. <So. laughs> pump, pump, pass. That's what we say. <laughs> you will have it there. Okay. So, Paul, 
Yeah. Did you ever think you'd be on WGN talking about weed? I did not foresee <laughs> that happening. It's a new year. <laughs> it is. It's a brave new world, I guess. <laughs> We're happy I, uh, to be able to create this opportunity. Yeah, for you. right. This surreal has arrived. I, you know, I, I gave my cat some uh, CBD because it seemed, you know, um, like its bones were aching or something like that. And I didn't know how much to give it or anything like that. And I went out and ran some errands, came back, and Bob Marley was cranking through my whole house. <laughs> like, I figured out how to listen to reggae music. <laughs> so, so now it was it's a cool cat. It's not just people. Now it's a cool cat, man. <laughs> so talk about, uh, I've seen you guys from a distance, maybe a, like retro on Roscoe or something. We look best from a distance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, but talk about the history of the band. I was talking a little bit on the phone this week. I, I jogged my memory, but I probably saw you, this really goes way back, at the Cardinal Club. I want to talk about the Cardinal Club. <laughs> the Cardinal talk about Club. the Cardinal Club. It was like oh this Polish God. rock punk club. I mean, yeah, I don't remember yeah. much. I was staying out much later back that then. That was but... late 80s. Yeah, right. The late 1880s. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like, right? It was a, uh, a club at Belmont and Laramie. Right. And uh, I was I was singing in the band there, and they were all Polish dudes, like, <laughs> off the boat. Great musicians. Yeah. Like, and the owner of the club was a phenomenal sax player, Wall- Wally. And uh, he put together a great band, and we would play from front... Uh, from 9.30 to 5 in the morning, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was crazy. It was a really good band. We're doing Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, and, all, and some Euro disco crap, too. But uh, that's where we were knocking around, and the guitar player, Bob, and I were the only Americans in the band. We said, after two and a half years, we got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so we started Mr. Plato in, like, 91, late 90. Um, and, you know, it was a great departure. I mean, we were just... That was just a straight cover. Well, we did some originals, but we wanted to like get out of that thing and try and do something bigger. So that's how Blotto started. Uh, before we get into the Blotto, how'd you, how'd you um, stumble into the Cardinal Club? Stumble is the correct yeah. word, my friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, We were actually auditioning drummers. Our drummer was uh, uh, Todd Zuckerman, who's now the drummer in Sticks, And uh, he was going off to Berkeley School of Music, so we had to get a new drummer. And we were auditioning drummers, and this Polish cat comes in, Andrzej Deluski. Hello, Delu, if you're out there. And he auditioned for us, and we didn't choose him. He said, well, why don't you come by this club and sit in? And I'm like, okay. So I went by on a Sunday, and I sang a couple songs, and they hired me. And I'm like, this is great, because I was just out of college, living at home, and uh, joined that band. And then that uh, it turns out he wasn't trying to join a band. He was out looking for singers, which was a great technique, you know, yeah. to audition for bands you don't want to join and steal their singer. <laughs> So that's how I have to get in there. And then when I got there, Bob was the only other American in the band, so I kind of gravitated towards him. We were all good pals, though. But they would have rock stars from Poland coming in yeah. and like doing a residency of three weeks, and then we would be the band backing them up. And the people in the audience were just freaked out because it was like seeing you know Eddie Vedder to them. Yeah, right. Because back home, these people are huge stars. And here, they were at the Cardinal Club in Belmont Laramie, you know. So it was much smaller scene. So people were really, you know, it was a big rock star trip for the people that were going there a lot. And uh, you know, it was fun. It was great fun. We did about 400 shows there in two and a half years. That many. Flew to Warsaw, did a big Marlboro Festival out there. I could write you a book about that one. That was a trip. Went to the Berlin Wall. It was coming down right at that time. Got a chunk of the wall. It was a great time. So then we started Blotto and um, you know, started gigging like crazy. You know, We would go to jam nights. And yeah, how'd Blotto come together? Well, we had uh, Bob and I and Alan, our drummer, is from Poland. So he was over on a tour, and he jumped ship. Classic, like, Olympic story. You know, he jumps, and he goes, I'm staying here under the radar, which was awesome. So we had him in the band, and I needed a bass player. 
and I couldn't find a bass player to save my soul. And my brother Mike was always our lead guitar player in our bands growing up, but he was currently just finished law school and he was a prosecutor for the state's attorney. Oh, I said, I, I said, was... Mike, I need, I need a bass player. He goes, okay, I'll play. You know, so he went and bought a big purple bass. It was mauve, actually. It was the most like L.A. hair band rock and roll bass you ever saw. It was hilarious. And I joined the band and uh, just to fill in. And the band kind of took off right away. And we're like, now what? And so then after like a year and a half, it came time to be like, he couldn't do both because he was like, you know, combing his hair back to go into court and laying it down to rock and roll and not getting any sleep. And finally, he just quit his law gig and joined the band full time. Okay, we got we to gotta take a break and we're going to come back and get more of the history here. So uh, don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. <laughs> Falling 
in Cleveland. <laughs> priceless, priceless. Right. Mr. Blotto, Paul, come on over to the mic. Um, I want you to tell us uh, about that song. Mark, you're a Deadhead fan, right? Yeah. That, that speaks to you, right? Uh, well, like right when Mr. Blotto started, so did my prime partying years. <laughs> yes. So it was a happy coincidence. Paul, that, that was great. And I, tell, me, tell me about that song. Uh, to Work on Sunday is sort of our uh, our ethos, our creed. Yeah. But we end up working on Sunday a lot you know, in the summertime. But it's just, you know, I think Mark was over at the warehouse knocking tunes around he was like sitting with the guy he goes i don't work on something like what's that he's like nothing yet i'm like okay and we wrote the tune you know on the spot we're like um just about a guy you know working in the coal mines kind of thing you know and uh never sees the light and he feels the you know the temperature drop and this and that he'd rather be poor but dry you know so that's not you know it's not worth the risk in the end and so you do have to have your day of rest. You have to have your day of leisure, as John Lennon says. It was really good. I mean, that's a song that took you someplace. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, we I mean? like we like that in songs. You yeah. know, what year? When did you write that? Roughly, because this leads to another question. Uh, I would say 2000, maybe 2001. 2001 ish. Well, I want I want you to come on the mic in the second half. We also want to take calls in a little bit too. Do you guys, you want to take well, calls sure, and listen? Yeah, sure. Yeah, but um, the reason I asked that question um, was. Talk about who John Barlow was and when you worked with him. Yeah, well, John Barlow, if you don't know, is was the primary lyric writer for Bob Weir in The Grateful yeah. Dead. Robert Hunter was mm-hmm. the one for Jerry Garcia, and Bob Barlow, uh, Robert, <laughs> uh, was the one for Bob Weir. And so he came out to see Mark's side project one night, and uh, he was knocked out. Mark said, "Well, you got to hear my original band." And he came the next night. To, we were, I think we were playing at Joe's on Weed, and. Um, and uh, John Barlow comes out. And Brooke, he, you ever been to Joe's on Weed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. that's country music. Yeah, all right. And, and, and just, just yeah. to, so we're clear, it's Weed Street. Yeah, right, right. 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 There's even right. a lot yeah. of places. I, on I try weed. not to miss a, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so he came out and he was knocked out by the band and the way we approached music, the way we approached sound and stuff like that. And then uh, we got introduced to him and uh, it came up. You know, would you guys like to work with him? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, he, you know, I've got so many of his lyrics indelibly in my in my brain from you know doing those dead tunes over there so he flew in a couple weeks later to our warehouse and we just started you know i would like be at the guitar and singing gibberish and he had his laptop and he'd be like and he'd spin it around and show me these unbelievable lyrics and i was like oh my god this is great so in a couple days we knocked out half a dozen tunes and then the band you know put them together and you know while he was away and then he came back and did a little more and we ended up calling the album Barlow Shanghai because right. we were like, proud to have Shanghai'd him into working with us. Cause but he's he was, a sweet cat. He was living like Sao Paulo or something at the time. Mark, yeah. Yes. Where was he living? He was like Sao Paulo or something. He was, yeah. he was going down there. It wasn't for um, Carnival or anything, but you're right. He was going down to Brazil. The guy lived a charmed life. I mean, he just, you know, he was huge with the internet and freedom of the, of the internet and stuff like that. He uh-huh. was very, very involved in that. He was a cattle rancher out in. Wyoming or something. He, had a, just he was a, probably trying to avoid the U.S. for a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. But he actually flew from there in Chicago, I believe. To come hang with us. Okay. Which was really cool. All right, we got a break for the news. I want to come back in a little bit more band history. You got a little more music for us? Oh, yeah. You going to do that one puff thing? Sure. I, I, I want to hear that. And then we'll play the song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. So don't, don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. <laughs>
it started with this fever dream. Three baby witches from my machine. Seventy-one stand with a three fifty-one Cleveland. Kinda begs the question, what could I have been but people? First one I cruise on up says to me, Maybe you could have your car back so easily. Just take three breaths of this breeze I bring. Before you do, I'm mourning you with every word I say. After one buzz, you're on right for a while. Yeah, two buzz, you might find you lost your smile. Three buzz, you might find going blind, looking for the door. Sure.
Mr. Blotto with uh, one puff. You know, um, might be the first time. Uh, Retro and Roscoe. I, I don't think. I think I'd had a few beers or something. But that may be the first time I've no. heard you heard you guys heard you guys straight. In, in the jam band world, are you considered a, a jam band? Where do the lyrics come in with the jam stuff? You know what I mean? We're considered. I mean, your lyrics are great. We're considered the finest jam band on earth. Just so you know, if you're looking for <laughs> by us, anyway, by us. <laughs> The lyrics, I mean, we've always given a lot of uh, weight to the lyrics. We always thought that the lyrics are a great yeah. opportunity to tell a story. And as you said, take you somewhere. You can't just, I mean, for us, you can't just do that jam band thing of, I was walking down the street and I saw the bird, the tweed. Like, you know, it's got to be, we care a lot about words. So we're kind of on our own on that. I mean, we give it more weight probably than, than any of our contemporaries. And I think it shows, you know, because all our songs have some sort of, if not a story, if it's a if it's watercolor or pastiche or something like that, at least there's there's word play that like you know John Lennon was the best you know just making words that sounded good together work right you know sometimes I say what was your song about? He goes I don't know man I was just playing with words you know yeah right and it, which is great fun now talk about one puff the song the listeners just heard that when I had a, a like a fever dream and I woke up hearing that song in my head. And it was like these three chicks. They looked. They were hot. They were like Winona Ryder and like Crushed Velvet. Like three of them, like pale. And in the middle of this forest that I grew up in, I didn't grow up in the forest. But there's a, I was raised by tell. a pack of wolves. Yeah. <laughs> no, but near it was. You know, well, that makes dream. so much sense now, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, a dream puts you back in that spot. So there's this forest in our house, and uh, there was this clearing, and there I was. And the dream got weirder in that this car that I had, my favorite car I ever had, was a 1971 Ford Mustang Grande, and in this dream, the car is in the clearing in the forest, which is impossible, and Winona and her two witchy friends are creeping up to me, and they're trying to tempt me, saying, you know, holding out the spliff, saying, you know, take some of this wind we're bringing, you know, and like, I'm like resisting, I'm like, no, there's something, and they're like, you can have that car back if you only, you know, take a puff or something like that. And so I was like, and I started listening to the song, and the song that they were singing was very, it was like sirens, you know, it was like luring me in, but if I listen to the lyrics... The lyrics were warning me not to. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You'll be all right for a while. You, you lost your smile. You'll be going blind looking for the... So that was like a weird thing in the dream. It was like, okay, listen to the lyrics. It's kind of like to your earlier point of the like, lyrics being important. You know? yeah, yeah. And so then I got up and back in that day, it was a little handheld tape recorder. And I just got the idea down. I'm like, what? It was very like girly when I when I came up with it. It was like, what? Yeah. And then you run it through the band's filter. Like, what? You know? <laughs> So everyone puts their thing on it, you know. Uh, we talked. I don't want to bogart the whole uh, interview, so we are going to take calls. If there's any uh, cool. Blotto fans, they can call us at, with questions at 312-981-7200. Um, talk about where you did grow up, where, where you, your guys' roots. You grew up, Mark. I grew up in River Forest. Grew up in River Forest, uh, adjacent to Oak Park. Yeah. Went to Oak Park there. High School. We had a, it was a pretty big school, so the neat thing about growing up there was that it was a nice little suburb, yet we're a hop, skip, and a jump away from the city. Yeah. So when I was in seventh grade, I started exploring in the city with my friends jumping on the L. Yeah. And finding different record stores and buying every album I could find. Yeah. And back in those days, you'd find someone like uh, 
Jeff Beck on an album, who was with Rod Stewart. Stewart, And then you would find another record, Jeff Beck, with a bunch of musicians you never heard of. Tim Bogart covered mm-hmm. a piece, and yeah. then you find bands that they're in. So it was just this really cool experience. Down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Did yes. you go to Val's Halla? Was that Val's Halla? Halla. Of one course. Of my yeah. 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 Val was great too. She would always help you and make suggestions, and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Mike and Paul. You're... Well, we're brothers. Yeah, so right. We grew up in Kankakee. Oh, I grew up in a forest with Paul. Forest, <laughs> with a car. We don't know how the car got <laughs> in the woods. Not river forest. Just forest. <laughs> forest. Yeah. Our dad was a car dealer, so we moved a lot. I went to five different grade schools and you know a couple high schools and stuff. So, I my earliest memories are Harvard, Illinois. Even though was, we were born in Chicago, then we moved to Kankakee, and then in like college years, we moved to the West Side, uh, Glen Ellen, and then um, then we you know get out of college, and moved to the North Side. Yeah, yeah. lived like a pirate for ten years. Yeah, for 10 was, years. was there for all you guys? Was there music around the house? Oh yeah. Yeah, my dad. Did your parents play? My dad played piano and banjo by ear. My mom played piano, reading music. My dad played banjo. Oh, really? <laughs> really? My mom played piano as well. Yeah. My yeah. mom played the piano and sang harmonies a lot. My dad liked music, but when I told him I was going into music, it was like I just told him I was going to audition for a chorus line or something. He was like, <laughs> "Are you kidding me? <laughs> What's your plan in life?" So, I graduated college and I went right into music right after that. So. <laughs> Um, didn't you, did you go to New Orleans recently? Yeah, yeah. We just played for the first time in New Orleans as a band at the Maple Leaf. Right. We went down in November or October. November. 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 We played Friday and Saturday at the, the Maple Leaf and recorded a live album down there. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But that one reason I brought that up is that your dad, did he like the Preservation Hall? Jasmine? Yes. Yeah. And whenever we were down there with my dad, we would have to go to, to Preservation Hall and you sit there on the on the cement and you listen to those guys. And he was just in hog heaven. He loved the Dukes of Dixieland and all that stuff, you know. And he said, when I die, I want you to spread my ashes in the reservation hall. <laughs> really? So yeah. we're going to do that. You know, he passed a couple of years ago. I'm like, I kept a lock of his hair. And next time I go down there, I might just be like, throw it in the corner. Yeah. Not like they sweep, sweep the floor, but they won't get they, it all. Not that they sweep the preservation hall. It's we like, did that with a friend in Scottsdale. We took his ashes. And we were sitting in a bar in Scottsdale. And they swept him up right while we were there. It was really, really kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> Dad's wishes weren't to be part of a street cleaner (laughs) rush. He wanted to get thrown out of a bar one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so many questions there. I mean, New Orleans, you had to, you'd been to New Orleans before as a a tourist or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, what was it like for them, yeah, as musicians to go down there and absorb all that? And then the part two of that question is why you've always been so loyal to the Midwest. Well, the Midwest is where we are. You know, it's like. We used to get. We used to go to Colorado a couple times a year. We have a nice bus. You know, we joke that have bus won't travel. We'll travel if we're motivated. But and if we do, we go in style. It's got twelve bunks and it's nice, nice way to travel. But we don't really have to get out of Dodge that badly. We do 150 gigs a year, all within three hours a year, because we can. Mm-hmm. We change our set list up every night. So if you see us Friday, you don't see one song on Saturday that you heard Friday. And so uh-huh. on and so on and so on. So it keeps it super fresh. And so our crowd keeps going back for multiple shows. Okay, we're going to take some calls here. You want to take, Dan, you want to take, uh, we normally don't take calls on this show. So you're, you're, very, right. you're very privileged. Let's see how we're on <laughs> yeah. un- un- you, may, you may see why in a minute. We'll they see. may be collection <laughs> agencies. I'm not sure. Yeah. But let's take Jonathan in Forest Park, number one. Jonathan, are you there? Hey, yeah, guys. Hey, what's, what's up, up? buddy? Hey, I was wondering if you guys were ever to consider hiring a local mandolin player, who would that be? Jonathan. Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan from Forest Park. Oh, my God. You know why? 
Why? He's got a cute little wife. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just we just heard Forrest and we're really excited about that. <laughs> it brought me back to my youth. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> what is what is the full I mean you brought uh, what's the full band now? What's what's full band yes. instrumentation wise? Yeah, right. There is Paul on lead acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah, lead right. acoustic. Yeah. Lead vocals. We all kind of sing except for the drummer. But it's two guitars, bass, keyboards and drums. And the keyboards are Hammond organ. Yeah, right. Love, yeah. Love that. Remember we were going to bring that in here tonight. Yeah, change, <laughs> change our mind. Sure. <laughs> and then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do that. Yeah. We you, were, you guys, were, to, you guys were trying the cannabis thing out early when you were talking about that. Right? Yeah, right. We so, should do this. Yeah. Okay, Jonathan, we got the Pierre and Glencoe wants to know about the creative process. Pierre? Hello. Yes, hello, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Hey. Hey, hey so, uh, hey, hey, Paul and Pierre. Uh, <laughs> Pierre here. I, I just wanted to know a little bit about uh, you guys. Uh, when you create songs... Uh, is it uh, how does that process work? How do, how do you guys work together or separately, or how does it come? Is it the music before the words, the words before the music, or is it all a mash? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, each sort of uh, it's Mike there, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. The the songs each kind of go their own way. Sometimes Mark will come in with uh, a, a musical passage. Sometimes Paul will come in with a verse and chorus type of thing. Sometimes I'll come in with uh, uh, lyrics and such like that, and we'll everyone kind of puts their own thing to it. We don't have a set thing. It isn't always one way. Some songs really, they're like children or cats, and they kind of want to go their own direction, and you can't really uh, uh, steer them that much. But we just And you can we'll, give we'll, CBD to cats, by the way, but not to children. And to children. children too. They, they, they won't tell anybody until they're older, and then they don't need right. it. Yeah, because yeah, it doesn't have that. Yeah. Let me just put my two cents in. Uh, Pierre, am I saying that right, Pierre? Yes, Um, uh, Mostly, it comes in where one of us has an idea, strums it to everyone else, and then they jump on it and they go, okay, let's do this. And then everyone's, you know, contributing ideas and and we all come to a consensus about it. How do you you avoid getting in each other's way? I mean, is there some, there's got to be some creative abrasion there at some time. You have to declare ahead of time if you're married, we call it married to something. Like, here's the chorus (laughs) and I'm married to it. Like, or they'll say, well, what do you think of the verse? I'm not married to it. If you can beat it, you know, I'll, I'll go along with it. You have to, you have to be able to, it was a tough thing. It was a tough thing to learn how to do with, with each other, but, uh, when, once you see it work a couple times, and you you have to, you learn and you go, okay, I, I have to give up and not be so adamant about keeping my thing the way. Well, it, it. it definitely works. You guys are phenomenal, so I appreciate well, uh, what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you, Pierre. Thanks. I want to get another call, but I want to follow up that train of thought. I mean, the art of improvisation. How does that how does that play into songwriting? I mean, you go off in all these other directions. I mean. We, you know, sometimes we catch an idea at soundcheck yeah. and we tape it on our phone real quick. You know, like a minute of it because we landed in some weird territory. But Mark's really like the the improviser over things, so it usually comes I, down to what he wants to improvise over. Yeah. I always try to leave a section that's going to be open. You know, blank, ah. blank canvas to paint on, and uh, that's that's the fun for me as well as everything else. Yeah. But, uh, right. Yeah. We'll be like, you know, do you want to solo over the verse kind of chords, or do you want to like do a whole new section? And then he'll be like, oh, let me think about it. You know. Everybody also writes in their own way. Like, and uh, I always joke that Mark writing with Mark is like writing with a defective robot because parts just fall off of him. You know, and like so, like so, we're like I got a verse, and Paul's got a chorus, and Mark's going. Every time we've done it, he's like, oh, I got something to go with that. I got something, and it's uh, that's. That's for me, of, yeah. for me, the songwriting thing has been Mark's uh, improvising the, the solos each night. That's his thing that he's really you know 
geared towards. What I really like is the construction of the songs themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what what I get. It's like you fishing know, or hunting. You know, you're chasing it down, chasing it down, and you get yeah. in the boat, and, or you don't get in the boat. And, and it's I, away. I personally adore the fight over it. I mean, I think it's worth the struggle because you get strong things out of it. But, but there is, like Pierre was asking, we we. Uh, there is some friction, but it's worth it yeah. to me to, to have it. I'd rather have that. I've got friends in bands where everybody agrees with everything all the time, and they're huggy, and, oh, that great hat is so great. Yeah. and It's a great idea, and the stuff is as exciting as milk, man. Yeah. And I just can't, I can't listen to it. You know, yeah. it's, wor- it's worth fighting Good over. Good stuff can't come We will talk about stuff even the following week on the phone for hours about a little section of music till we come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's yeah. painstaking, but in the end, it's excellent because we're all kind of happy yeah. with it. Kind of. <laughs> we put the pain in painstaking for sure. Okay, we got Dan in Albany Park. Dan, how are you? Thanks for listening tonight. Thanks a lot, Thanks, um, guys. It's a privilege. Uh, a big fan for a long time. I've seen you live since '98. Uh-huh. Um, Got to give props to my cousin Matt from Oak Park who's listening. He turned me on to you guys. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was the first time I saw you. Um, so. Yeah, my mom texted me and said you were on tonight, so I had to ask. Um, <laughs> you guys uh, did some great sets on the north side, um, late 90s, early aughts, uh, uh, Tipsy Tuesday, your acoustic uh, set, and I know you're performing at uh, the club on the south side. I didn't know if you thought about revisiting the north side, doing some weekday acoustic sets up there anymore. And one more question about Tipsy Tuesdays. You're so good at the stump the bands. Didn't know if you could talk about how you caught on to so many classic rock shout outs and you could pick it up. Uh, just because it's very hard to stump you guys. Right on, man. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Matt, for turning you on to that. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, to answer the last question first, the stump the band is really fun for us because it's really walking on thin ice, you know, and somebody yells like, uh, you know, whatever, yell out some song. Bon like, Jovi song. Yeah, Bon Jovi, uh, yeah. You know, I'm a cowboy. And we're like, one of us will be like, I kind of, I think yeah. I know, I think it's in this key. And we'll just sort of find it because you get to a point as a musician that your ears have evolved that you can hear it and you can find it on your instrument pretty well. But then the danger is you get to a song, you're like, you chug it along, you're like, okay, I think we got this, you know, and I'm singing the words as I recall them, you know, sometimes phonetical gibberish, but whatever, it's getting getting across. And then you get to the bridge, you're like, oh, I forgot there's this wacky bridge in this song. You're like, oh, no. Yeah. A train and sometimes wreck. we train wreck, <laughs> and then, you know. Like- my, my wife would often shout out things like beat it to try to stump you with that kind of stuff. She's beat a big we fan, too. I forgot we would get beat it. We would get that. Yeah. Maybe. We, yeah. wouldn't, we wouldn't get Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody, you know, but we have done that oh. with rehearsal. Have you really? Yeah. Uh, the North Side, we've loved. I mean, we'll always take a show anywhere. It's just that Reggie's has been so good. We've been there for 10 years every Tuesday, and we continue to be there. Yeah. So, you know, we used that's to really be our Rise pub for about 10 years. Did you really? Prior yeah. To that. Every yeah. Tuesday, and they changed owners. Yeah. So we ended up, the people at Reggie's are great, took us in. Yeah. And I think they said, do you guys want to do a month or two? We said, sure. We tried it after like four gigs. Like, you want to do like four months? And by the end of the conversation, it's like, how about you guys just come every Tuesday? Well, it was like March. We started, and then we said, well, why don't you do the whole summer? We yeah. said, okay, we'll do the whole summer. Right. And then September came, like, we looked at each other like, yeah, yeah. And we just did it. We've been there for 10 years now. It's fantastic. Time flies. What other gigs you got coming up? Anything else you want to plug? Hotel. Um, Oh, yeah, we have our hotel event, which is we do two a year, but this one's coming up um, February 15 and 16. It's called Hotel Blotto. Hotel Blotto. It's in LaPorte, Indiana, which is an hour and a half from here. Uh-huh. And the entire hotel sells out, and we have it's an indoor musical festival. So we'll have bands playing in the atrium, in the bar that's in the hotel, and then we play in the ballroom both nights. 
So there'll be like five bands a day. The last, get there and they the, just. The last band ends at what time, Mike? Four in the morning. Yeah. The last set is two a.m. to four a.m. each morning in the atrium. So and it's a great and the nice thing is everybody can do whatever they want to do all day. And what do you mean no, by that, Mike? It's like sleep, Paul. Oh, sleep, good. Paul. <laughs> no, but uh, as per your previous cannabis conversation, yeah. that type of thing. No, but people can do whatever they want. Well, but all you have to do is not faint in the elevator, and you're fine. Yeah, there's no it driving. There's no. That, that, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. So it's it's a it's a really nice, safe thing. It's like a a summer. Uh, outdoor camping musical right. festival, but it's all in this great big uh, uh, bubble. Yeah. So it's during really the, fun. During the day, people are walking around with their dogs and their coolers and all the food. Hanging they in the hot tub. Cocktails they mixed in their room, and right. it's it's like a promenade. They're walking around. And the, the fans organized a, a, a potluck every Saturday, too. And the people yeah. are telling us, hey, thank you for doing this. Like, we didn't do it. I'm not sure who does it. It's, it's kind of like it has its own organic <laughs> movement. So you take over a hotel? Yeah. 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 The entire hotel sells out. Wow. And the one next yeah. to it's starting to sell out now, too, so it's good. And how can people find out more about them? Well, MrBlotto.net. M-R-B-L-O-T-T-O.net. We got about two minutes left. I want to ask you, um, I know your history, and we I love to talk about the Cardinal Club, but the quote, air quotes, bar band thing. But what is that meant for, uh, you know, just working and cutting your chops over and over and over again with an intimate audience and just playing night in and night out, all yeah. these sets? Well, Pol- that's, it develops your yeah. ear. Yeah. Like I talked about earlier, that's what develops your ear, and... You know, they always say you can tell a band that's played a thousand shows together. Yeah. They just move like a clock together. They turn a corner together. And we've played 3,000, 4,000 shows together now. We're going on 4,000 shows now. Isn't that something? So that, you know, paying your dues is great. And, you know, we're in, we've been in the trenches for 28 years. And we love it down here. You know what I mean? We love the trench. We love the mud. Yeah. We love doing 150 shows a year. You know? It's like, it's invigorating. We don't need to be... You know, at Woodstock, we don't need to be well, on we do TV. We love the open outdoors and the big stage. No, which is we like the trenches. We put on our own outdoor fest in the summer too, in the, in the fall. Uh, the Blatumble Equinox Fest. We, we so we would kind of look at all the experiences that we want to do, and we just organize them ourselves. It's, it's more fun that way. You guys have such a good attitude. Hey, it's we really, do. Really nice. We get to right do whatever here. we want to yeah. do. It's We're like, lying through our teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I always say we won the vocational lotto. Yeah. It's like, you shall be a plumber, and you shall be a politician, and you shall be musicians. We're like, thank you. We're very lucky, for sure. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you all for coming down. Paul, Mike Bolger, and Mike Hay, right? Mark Hay. Mark. Mark, yeah, right. I've got that. And thanks, Brooke, for hanging around. Thanks, Mark. Where'd Mark go? Okay. Thanks to our studio audience, Mike Morosky. Thank thanks for Ernie on the engineering. Thanks, Dan Long, for all the production help. And thanks for listening uh, to the show tonight. And we'll see you soon on WGN.